Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness to pray and to rest before he began his public ministry. This year during Lent, join Pastor Hook to pray and rest as we learn about our calling to be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. We are in episode 34 of Life-Changing Connection. This is just a simple 40 weeks of prayer to look at what scripture is teaching us about our congregation, about ourselves as we launch out of the pandemic and into our community. And my desire is, I think what God has planned for our congregation is that we are a a congregation that makes, grows disciples, grows people, grows people's faith, grows people closer in their connection to God, the creator of the universe, builds their faith, and then helps people to encourage them to share um, their gifts with the world around them so that they can be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. That's basically, and the more effective we are as a congregation, um, the more the kingdom grows. I mean, that, that's basically what it is. And it's not all about numbers. It truly is, I mean, faith building has two portions of it. One is identifying people who, where the seed is planted and we grow, we plant and grow their faith in their lives. And then other people are, you know, they already have the faith and they're just continuing to grow in their faith. Um, And that is a lifelong process. And there is no, Christ doesn't say, here is, you know, you have to get to a certain point to get into the kingdom. No, he brings us into the kingdom at our baptism. And then we continue to grow in our faith producing fruit until the day we die. Uh, and then Christ calls us home. Uh, and then on the last day, the trumpet ri- the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall rise and we'll be with Jesus forever. And um, this is the life of every Christian. And it can start late in life. It can start early in life. It can start in the middle of life. And all Christ asks the church to do is to help point the people more and more and more towards him and then uh, and help people grow in their faith. There is no like set set of rules or guidelines by which you must have all of them mastered before you get into the kingdom. You know, you're in the kingdom and you're in the process, a whole lifelong process of trying to rule or master the things that God has for you. And the kingdom isn't an end in and of itself. The kingdom is in us now that we will never ever leave because we're in the kingdom and then we'll be with Jesus forever. So the kingdom starts with us right now, which means we can start living as kingdom people right now. All right, so um, today we're gonna, we're gonna go back to Ephesians 4, which is Paul's, um, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And he was, we've looked at this before. We looked at it in week one kind of towards the end of week one. But I'm going to actually spend a little bit of time this week in this because there's so much golden nuggets here. But we're just going to read the whole thing. Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and 13, where Paul writes, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So basically what Paul says here is that we all have different different gifts in the kingdom. 
And Paul has identified people who are apostolic, people who are prophetic, people who are evangelistic, people very pastoral, and people who can teach. And as I've said many times, once you kind of grow in maturity in your faith, then you teach at some level, everyone teaches the faith. The only one that's not teaching the faith is someone who is still, um, you know, still their faith is being guided by a teacher. They're what we would call a student. Um, it's somebody who is, um, you know, the, it, my analogy is of a tree and the tree is they've got the poles holding onto the tree. There's people surrounding them, helping to the grow in their faith. The early church called them neophytes, new plants. That you know, they're little sprouts. They're still they're still growing in their faith. But once once the poles come off, and you are probably around the age of uh, you know maturity, 13, 14, 15, or whatever, somewhere in that age, then you are at some level teaching the faith. You may teach it well. You may not teach it well. And if you're young, people may not look to you to teach you the faith. But even if you are young, I mean, we saw from Timothy that when Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, don't let your age impact how you can tra- you know, teach the faith. There's something that everybody at a- every age, once we become mature, can teach something about the faith. And then we have pastors and evangelists, prophets, and, and uh, evan- yeah, and then uh, pastors and, and teachers. So, um. I want to I want to look at this verse one more time because uh, because Paul says that he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service, to equip his people for works of service. The whole idea of a church is to equip people for service. For this word for service is diakonia, which is it was the root word for deacons. It's a word for anybody who labors in the church. And there's many, many ways you can labor in the church. You can labor in the church. Um, well, there's just, and it, it can be within the confines of a congregation, or you can labor in the church in your life because everybody's part of the church. The church is all the believers, right? All the called out, the church of God. It's it's across denominations. It's not just us. It's many, many denominations, and it's those people who've been called to follow Jesus and to live their life according to him and to serve him in the kingdom. Those who are in the kingdom, that's, that's the people. And we're called for works of service. So the kingdom of God is called for works of service. And we saw this in the early church that they gathered together uh, for the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. And then they pooled their resources basically to equip people for works of service. That's what the early church did. It's what our church does. It's what every church should do, is to equip people for works of service. And how does Christ gift different people to do that? He gifts different people to do that through these, through many, many, many ways. But here in Paul, he talks about a prophet, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I want to spend a little bit today um, looking at that again, because this is, some people have called this the fivefold gifts of ministry, and the first one is called apostleship, apostleship. So Christ gave himself the apostles. What is an apostle? We looked at this just a little bit, but I want to just spend a little bit of time this week looking at each of these five gifts and really talk about what they mean. Because if you're an apostle, 
if God has gifted you with that sense in your life, then that means that you look at the world around you and you say, we could do better. There, there's things that we could do to reach out to the world around us. Apostolic people look at the world and they say, we could make a change. We could do things differently. The, the world around us is, is crying out for something and the church can do something about that. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, right now in our church at uh, Christ Within Vale, one of the things that we've noticed is that there's people in our community that have um, Title I, or t- it's, uh, it's uh, free and reduced lunch funding within the school district. I think it's around 40% of the people in our community, in the Vale community, that have struggles trying to find food. And so that is one of the ways that the church could serve our community is by helping provide food to the food bank. We could give them cans of food. We could do a canned food drive. We could do a food packing event and give all that food to the Vale Resources, and then they can hand it out throughout the year. We did that. It was wonderful. That is basically equipping us for works of service in our community. Another thing that we do in our community uh, is our, our early childhood and our school. That whole thing is there to exist to serve our community. Because while we live in a great school district, and it really is quite an amazing school district, they, aren't, they don't necessarily fit the needs of every family that moves out here. There are always sometimes disconnects there. And the Vail School District does a very good job trying to, to cover those disconnects, but it can't do it in every area. And so we have a school that helps in that area. There is a program that we have called MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers, because mothering is something that a lot of people in our community do. A lot of people move here in our community because they want to get you know, the, a really, really good education. People move, I hear this all the time, people move here, some of our major employers, one is Raytheon, the other one is, uh, is the Davis Mountain Air Force Base, and the other Air Force Base, and the other one is University of Arizona. So people move out here for employment or to go to school or whatever in those three main employment um, people, main employment organizations. And then they say, where should, people, where should I live? And they say, oh, you should go to Vail. Because Vail has two things going for it. One is that there's a plethora of housing, so the housing pricing hasn't gone out of the roof, although right now it is going out of the roof. But they're building as fast as they can to keep up with demand. And the other thing is they have a great school district. And so people tell, okay, I'm gonna, I'll look for houses in Vail. They come out here, they find houses, they move their families, and then they put them in uh, you know, the Vail school district. And then oftentimes these families have mothers that have young children. And so we uh, have a great ministry called MOPS, which helps serve those mothers. We invite them to come on our campus, not during the pandemic, but over the last 10, 15 years, we invite them to come on our campus. We Members of our congregation and others use our campus to, to watch the kids and the mothers get together and they listen to inspirational talks and they, they get into small groups and they talk with each other and they talk about parents you know, problems they're having with parenting, issues they're having with parenting, issues they're having raising kids, you know, all that stuff is amazingly helpful for the church. That, my friends, is works of service. That's works of service. 
those are probably three of our main things that we have done uh, in works of service. And, and another one is our is our youth program. I mean, we have an amazing youth program. Uh, it meets uh, some sometimes it meets on Sunday morning, but most of the time it meets on Wednesday night. And that's a great time for all the junior high youth and senior high youth to come together. Um, and we also have Sprouts, but it doesn't meet at the same time, which is younger kids. But but basically, Wednesday night is a, a night dedicated to many, many people coming together and helping, helping kids grow in their faith. And it's also helping families because families struggle with issues about faith. And they're, and they're always looking for opportunities for their children to come together and do stuff. And so our Wednesday night program is a phenomenally good program. So I guess that's, you know, those are some of the main, main programs we have that really, really uh, love our community to help them, you know, in this horribly difficult, it's not horribly difficult, it's amazingly difficult challenge of, of, um, you know, being a young family and trying to figure out how to, how to, uh, you know, grow our children the best way that God wants us to grow them. But are there other things that we could do for young families? And the answer is, the sky's the limit. All we have to do, an apostle is somebody who's willing to kind of step outside of their bubble and just look at the world around them and say, you know, here's a need in our community. I think we can we can serve that need. Um, let's see. There's another another one called Mother's Day Out. I don't know if you've heard of it. We've done it quite a bit at our congregation because we have space, right? So once a week, uh, we'll have mothers with really, really, really young kids, and they'll come in, and they'll have some playtime with their kids with other mothers to build relationships, you know, and that sort of thing. And that that hasn't been an amazing program. If you're apostolic, then you see the need, and you are willing to kind of make that need known so that the church can figure out, okay, how can we, or, or can we even meet that need? It seems like our congregation, the, the one, not the one, but, the, but a focus of our congregation has always been to help those families that are coming out into Vail to help them in their parenting. So Mother's Day Out, MOPS, the early childhood, the school, um, things we do on Sunday morning with youth and children, all that stuff is all focused on stuff that really, really, really helps families. And that has been a main part of our congregation since we began. But as our congregation grows and matures, it doesn't have to remain with young families because we also have a lot of people who move here because of Dell Webb. And the amazing thing about Dell Webb, which is a retirement community, is that uh, I think it is built out. So I don't think there's homes, necess- new homes being constructed in Del Webb. So you get you get this weird thing that happens in retirement communities where everybody moves there in their 50, you know, 60s, you know, as soon as they retire. And then they all age out together. And then um, you get these waves, I guess, is what I want to say in Del Webb. But when people come into Del Webb, there's a lot of things that Del Webb does that can help the Del Webb community. But there's a lot of also there's things that we could do as a church to to minister to those people also. One year we decided to um, basically have a lecture series <laughs> in room 101 
where we would invite people from Dell Webb to come in and have lunch and listen to a lecture and then go home. And um, for whatever reason, it was, it, was, it was an amazing lecture series, but I kind of was hoping that we'd have a whole lot more people um, come. We didn't do a very good job of advertising. I understand that. Um, and that is on me because you should know that I'm an apostle. When, when I, I love the idea of doing new things. So you can actually take a test. Ne next, uh, next episode, I'll, I'll give you the website of where you can take a test to find out if you're apostolic, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. When I take the test, I score very high on apostolic because I always like trying new things. I like trying the idea of doing new things. But the, the problem with me is just because I like new things doesn't necessarily think I want to manage new things. Um, that is not my gift. Checklists are not my gift. You know, Finding people to say, hey, would you do this or this or this isn't my gift. I can do it. I can do checklists. I mean, everybody has the ability to do all these things, uh, you know, but... But my gifting is really just saying, Lord, what are the possibilities? What are the great things that our church could do to serve the world around us? And that, um, and some of you may be apostolic also, but some of you could have gifting in some of these other areas. And um, the goal of a church then is to, you know, step out, look, look for new things to do. How can we serve our community? And... Um, you know, fight the battles. It's a church gets so used to doing, you know, the things that they've always done that it's just more comfortable to do what you've always done than it is to try to step your toe in the water and do some new things. And I'm not talking about even Sunday worship or, you know, Bible studies or things like that. I'm talking about like, what does our community around us need? And how is we as a church could meet that community need? How could we, what are some, you know, the, right now we know who our community is. It's young families and it's Del Webb. That's our community. And so we should, you know, our programs and things should be geared to those people. But what happens if the community around us changes? What happens if, what happens if you're a downtown church and all the people that used to live around the church have now moved out to the suburbs? So how does the church meet that? need. Well, one of the things they could do is they could go plant a church in the suburb. That'd be a great thing to do. Um, it, and then, then they have to look at the community around them and say, okay, what language are they speaking? What, what really meets uh, their needs? You know, um, a good pastor friend of mine ended up being in downtown St. Louis, and that church is one of the oldest LCMS churches because, you know, LCMS was founded in that whole St. Louis area. So this was, it's called Historic Trinity. It's in downtown Soulard. It's a very, 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 very old church, very ornate church. Oh my goodness, is it ornate? They actually have in their congregation the original chalice that came across from Germany to, you know, that they came into the United States where they did communion. That um, It's an old, you know, 150, 170-year-old chalice that they have. But that, that community is completely changed. So they opened up a food bank and they serve food to the homeless people in downtown St. Louis out of this church. And they also minister with other things, you know, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, all that sort of thing. Uh, and then that particular congregation ended up, because of where it is, and because it's an old historic district that has some beautiful architecture, somehow it attracted a large uh, gay community, kind of like, uh, you know, the gay community in, in uh, San Francisco. 
And so that church started to say, okay, how can we minister to that group of people and what can we do to help them? So every congregation has the ability to look at the surrounding community around them and really try to figure out how has God called them to love the world around them. And um, because the, the world changes, the world is always changing. So the church has to constantly look at the world around them to figure out what we can do to love the world around us. And the apostle is the one that says, okay, I'm going to look out and just be apostolic. The root word apostle means to go, to send, right? To apostello, to send, to go. Um, we're going to go out and look and figure out what the needs are of our community. But if you're, if all you are is apostolic and you don't have other people who are prophetic evangelists, pastors, and teachers, then you'll never, ever get these programs done because because you're just not gifted in that area. We need all of the body of Christ to really look, you know, look out into the world and figure out how God has called us. So um, I think I'll leave it there. Um, and tomorrow we're going to take a look at the prophet. Uh, but before we get there, let's just go ahead and close in prayer. Dear God, thank you for this time together. Um, for those in our congregation that are apostolic, give them the joy uh, fulfill their heart's desire to look out and see what the needs are of the world around us and to bring those needs to our congregation and help us to love the world around us. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen.